Welcome to the 104th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. A quick special announcement before we go into the podcast. We're delighted to announce a new collaboration with the Green Duck Brewery based in Stourbridge who've developed a new IPA in homage to the podcast. A new beer called Wet Your Wolf Whistle is coming soon. Wet Your Wolf Whistle is a 4% session IPA and a percentage of the profits will be going to the 1P36 Family Trust, a charity which personally means a lot to me. And it's close to my heart, so please look out for that. We are absolutely delighted to be joined today by a former forward. I mean, listen, th- we talk about goal machines. Ted Farmer, 62 appearances for the club, 57 league games, 44 league goals between 1960 and 1964. Ted, how are you, my friend? Well, I made you through, and I'm uh, just about to... Uh... On the way out with arthritis. <laughs> oh, bless you, bless you. I mean, is that? I mean, I know it was a short football career, Ted. I mean, is the is is the football career contributed in any way? Well, it obviously does. I mean, you say a short career, but I was at the, I was at the club for ten years. Oh well, listen, you're correcting me already. Very quickly, I've mentioned the IPA. I believe you used to run a public house, didn't you, Ted? Oh yes, we used to run the Lamb Tavern, which is a Baylor's house, and that was from Briley Hill here. Yeah. Yes, because locally born, born in Rowley Regis in <laughs> only a few years back, 1940. Um, I mean, Ted, you know, where did you first get spotted and, and how did you come to end up at Wolves? That's a strange thing, really. I was uh, I was playing for the school team, which is Wednesday County Commercial College, uh, in the morning. And I was playing for the Wednesbury Youth Club in the afternoon. Uh and what happened was that our chairman of the youth club was very friendly with George Noakes, who was then the chief scout at Molyneux. And our chairman said, well, Ted's scoring a lot of goals for us. Do you mind if he comes training with you on a amateur Tuesday and Thursday nights? And that's how it started. Wow. Uh, I went down there on a Tuesday and Thursday nights to train. Uh, I met all kinds of top players, Ron Flowers, Billy Wright who were in the forces and come back to train the same time, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, and then uh, one day I was asked if I could be available for the Wolves' fifth or sixth team. Uh, they got a player short and they wanted me to play centre forward for the Wolves as an amateur. Yes. Well, I did. It was against the Arcadians of Birmingham, Birmingham Workside, and I scored a hat-trick. Good man. Uh, and what happened after that was I was signed on amateur forms for the Wolves. I mean... It- uh, I then started to play in the uh, Wolves 4th or 15th Warsaw Minor League. Yep. Uh, and I, was, they, I scored stacks of goals, I don't know how many. And uh, they signed me as a pro when I was 17. Uh, and the headlines there were Wolves signed boy who scored 13 goals a day. I did see that in your book, actually, Ted, because I've got a copy yeah. of your book, The Heartbreak Game. And if any listeners want to read a great book, um, it, it, it's a fantastic book, Ted. I know you bought it out a few years ago. Um, I mean, born in Rowley Regis, just a quick question. Who did you support growing up, Ted? Because I believe that's on the, the West Brom Wolves border. I was I supported the Villa after Villa. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is that I 
Trevor Yes, okay. Now, now you made your debut. Uh, I mean, as debuts go, 24th of September, 1960 for the first team. Scored yeah. twice versus Man United in a 3-1 win. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. debuts go, Teddy, couldn't get any better, could it? Well, no, it, it did get better, actually, because I was awarded the sporting record performance of the week. Oh, right. Uh, for those two goals. And also, in the local papers, and this is quite funny for me, uh, they said Ted Farmer from Rowley Regis, uh, a small place in the Midlands, uh, this is the greatest thing that's happened to them since King Stephen granted its royal charter in 1623. <laughs> Flipping heck! So, yeah, yeah. I mean, your your first season. Ted, we we talk about goal scorers. I've had Bully on the podcast. I've on I've had John Richards. I mean, Ted, looking at the stats, you could have been the greatest of them all in your first season. Leading scorer, um, 28 goals in 27 games. Wolves. Finish third that, place. Well, that's a club record. Yes. For a debut season. Yes. It's also a football league record for a debut season. I did not know that, Ted. I didn't know that. Because Dennis Westcott was probably, you know, a, another great goal scorer. And I believe you beat his record early doors, didn't you? Who, who did you say? Was? Uh, Dennis Westcott. Yes, but you, you beat, obviously... I, I, I only played in 27 matches. I mean, that is incredible. So, pretty much, Ted, I bet you went into the games with so much confidence in as much as every time you had a shot, you thought it was going to end up in the back of the net. Well, the big thing for me was the more crowd, the bigger the occasion, the better I seemed to play. Yes. I was a, I was a crowd player, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be a normal bloke in the dressing room getting stripped out for the match. Walk down Molyneux, down the Waterloo roadside, and the crowd were going crazy, and that lifted me into a, well, a far better phase than you could imagine. I mean... And it, it, it was that relationship that made me as always. I was always a goal scorer. Yes. I mean, uh, uh, it doesn't matter what you, you... You can't train goal scorers. No. You've got to be... You've got to be there and know what you're doing. I mean... It was phenomenal. And what's it like for you, Ted? You just alluded to it, walking out in front of a packed Molyneux, you know, all the Wolves fans cheering. I mean, well, the hairs must be up on the back of your neck. Well, the, 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 the big thing that started me all off was this youth cup run we had when I was 17. Uh, we, the Wolves had never won the youth cup, and they've never won it since. So the, 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 Wolves, uh, the Wolves and Manchester United were the top youth sides of the yes. country at the time. And Manchester United, the Busby Babes with Duncan Edwards, etc. They always used to beat the Wolves either in the semi-final or the final. Yeah. So this the crowd were always willing us to get beat Manchester United, you see. So we played Manchester United in the semi-final, a two-legged affair. Uh, we, won, we, we drew one each at United and we won 3-1 at Molyneux. And the crowd were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, one of the reporters of the Express and Star wrote that this is the finest youth cup match he'd ever seen, the one in Monaco. Oh, brilliant. And there was 15, 20,000 people there, and they all were part of us, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'd, and then we drew Chelsea in the final with Jimmy Greaves and one or two of their first team players and an under-23 player playing. 
and we played them in the first leg at Stamford Bridge, where we got thrashed 5-1. Right. Now, that would mean that the crowd were, oh dear, not again, we've, we've got to the final again, and we beat our Hudo in Manchester United, and now we've got thrashed with Chelsea, we've got no chance. But of course, that wasn't in our mind. Uh, the, return, the, the, the first leg was on the Tuesday and the second leg was on the Thursday, I think. But I always knew that we could beat this side, so we had a bit of a meeting uh, saying that although we, we probably ain't going to win it, um, we would at least put a performance in for the crowd which have supported us all season. I mean, the FA Youth Cup was as big as the FA Cup. Yes. Everybody Tom to Carly was into at the start. There was hundreds of teams in it. Anyway, this, uh, this the final... Um, I got an inclination we were going to win. I mean, going uh, going to the ground. I mean, uh, I was a professional at seventeen, um, on eight pound a week, I think. Uh, and the, the bonus for the winning the Chelsea match was ten bob. <laughs> so uh, I'm on the I'm on the trolley bus from because uh, we got no cars then. I was on the trolley bus from Dudley to Wolverhampton for the match, and I could feel something in the air. It, it was ridiculous. I mean, uh, people on the bus were asking me, uh, you know, you've, you've done well and bad luck. Now you've lost 5-1, you know, we, we support you. And going through the town, after getting off the bus down into Molyneux, down the Molyneux Alley, people were going there to the match and they were all patting me on the back. And, and uh, this was the kind of relationship we had with the yes. crowd. It was different to what you today. I mean, today they're, they're, they're all the Hollywood Stars, Not off. <laughs> uh, fanatics. I mean, in those days, there were there was a there was a love affair between the crowd and the players. Yes, especially the youth team. So when we kicked off, I mean, uh, when you think I scored four goals in half an hour, <laughs> that, that, that equals the match at half time. Flipping <laughs> heck! Yeah, before the match, you see, there was about fifteen, twenty thousand in the ground. All going caps. I mean, I scored one. There was a rip of applause. Scored two, and it got a bit louder. I scored three, and there was anticipation there. And when I scored the fourth, I thought the roof was going to come off. Flipping heck! It was absolutely amazing. And the thing is, the, the club opened. This got through to the town itself, and the club allowed free entry for the second half. And there must have been I don't know twenty, thirty thousand there then. And uh, Cliff Duran scored two. And put us, put us actually uh, a goal in front. I mean, we were, we were then two goals in front. We were then seven five. And, uh, the crowd were absolutely amazing. I mean, I was, I was on my knees at after an hour. Yeah. And, uh, well, you've, you've, you got four by that point, Ted. I don't blame you. Yeah. The, the thing is that uh, the crowd. Every time Jimmy Greaves took the ball, the crowd used to howl like mad because they knew he was a danger. Yes. And then he did score one just before the end, but. I mean, Ted, that is incredible because let's be completely honest, in, in, in any football match at any level, you're 5-1 down yeah. after the first leg, it, it's game over. And, well, it is, yeah. and and so in the dressing room before, you said, yeah, let's put a performance in, but surely in your yeah, yeah, yeah. in your heart of hearts, in your, in, in your, you know... We all, we all thought we were in trouble. I mean, no, nobody thought we would turn around that... He was not that... Easy. We were not that big, but he was that quick. So we were level in the side of that, well, before half time. 
I mean, four. I mean, I've looked at your goal scoring record, Ted. Nine braces. Obviously, not nine nine games where you scored twice in. Yeah. Uh, there was three hat tricks, but two of them you actually went on to score four goals, and, and that's yeah. and that's the first team. Yeah. I mean, that is an an incredible well, record. They used to call me two goal Ted. <laughs> <laughs> two goal Ted. Yeah. I tell you what, one of the one of the most fascinating things to me was. Uh, the, when they the programs were about a shilling or something then the, before the match, and I think Phil Morgan used to write as the wanderer in this uh, Wolves program. Yes. Now when we played Arsenal before the match, the program was written, and Phil Morgan said, "Ted keeps getting two goals. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he scored his third one today?" And I did. That's right, because there was a hat trick against Arsenal. You scored four versus Birmingham City in, in March yeah. 1961. Now, obviously, a local derby. You're a Villa fan. You're playing for the Wolves. We're playing against Birmingham. What's it like to score four, four goals in a local derby, Ted? Well, it, 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 I tell you what, that match. Yeah, you'd be surprised that after the match. The Wolves chairman came up to me and patted me on the... Jim Marshall, it was. Yeah. He patted me on the shoulder and said, Well done, son. Go up to my tails on Monday and buy yourself... I thought you were going to buy me a suit. Buy yourself a tie. <laughs> so that, that, that's the, uh, the the bonus I got for scoring four. And I've still got that tie today. Oh, Ted, do you know what? These are the stories I love. They, they really are. And also... The, the other thing, story, yeah. going back to the youth cup. Yes, before, yes. The end of the match, of course, then the crowd invaded the pitches if it was crazy and lifted everybody up onto the shoulders and everybody was crying. And well, the extra, I tell you, what, I've never ever seen a match or felt in a match more emotion than that, yeah, that Chelsea match. But going going back home after the match, oh, and by the way, it was my mother's first match you'd ever seen, oh. so she was like a nervous wreck. <laughs> but I bet uh, she going was back, going back home. Walking through Molyneux, everybody patting me on the back and asking me things. And uh, this is where it was relationship with the Yes. Guy. I had to go back up the Molyneux alley through the marketplace and to catch the bus back <laughs> home, the trolley bus. So uh, I had to queue and my longer buses because there were so many people in the match. Uh, and I gradually got to my turn and I got on the bus, uh, the trolley bus, and it was standing room only. And I was holding on to the I mean, I'll be honest, Ted. Uh, a lot of these Wolves players will, will never ever catch a bus. Bless them. Now, you mentioned a name. Then we're going to talk about some of the the players you played with. You know, shortly. One of the players you mentioned, Cliff Durant. I've got my own personal story of Cliff. Years ago, um, when I was a young lad, I was getting autographs outside the Molyneux, and Cliff, bless him, uh, South African born, as you know, he. Yeah. Walked into the Molyneux and he was quite portly at the time. So we was getting autographs of the first team players at the time. So we, we put our autograph book under Cliff's nose, taking the mick really. And uh, he turned around and said, no, I, I played for Wolves in the 60s, Cliff Durant. And I remember he signed the autograph. I got home, looked through my Wolves books and there he was. I mean, what was 
What was Cliff like to play with? Because, you know, I met him, like I said, he was a lovely, friendly guy. What was he like to play with? Well, well he, he managed, he, he's up oak, uh, Desert, they're both South African. Yes. Uh, they, they played in the Youth Cup and they were they were big parts of the Youth Cup. I mean, Desert, he made history by the, the only Wolves player to hold an FA Cup winner's medal and an FA Youth Cup winner's medal. Oh, brilliant. So there's a... And I'm, I saw him... Well, a couple of years ago, he came back just from, from South Africa to have a look around and I had a good chat to him, but he, unfortunately, he died not soon after. Oh. But Cliff Durant was a, oh, he was a, a very good player. He was a, an inside forward that uh, lots of tricks and goal scoring ability. Yes, yeah. Um, and he was, a, he was a lovely, bubbly fella. His big problem was he was always overweight at the end of the season. <laughs> in the close season he put on too much weight flipping heck uh, yeah Cullis used to put him Cullis used to put him into a sort of a but he I don't think he, he I don't think he left for late Orient or somewhere like that some London club uh, and uh, the big shame was that after that youth team that the first the first and only time they've ever won it inside three or four years there was only me left oh. I mean have you still got Still got your medal, Ted? Yeah, oh yes, I've still got that. Oh, brilliant. And, I mean, some of the players, I've looked through the books, some of the players you played with, Terry Wharton, Alan Hinton, Ron Flowers, Peter Broadbent, Norman Daly, Bill Slater, Jimmy Murray. I mean, yeah. there's some real legends amongst them, isn't there, Ted? Well, there was, there was one you missed out that was probably the greatest player of all time. Uh, this Daily Express people that put the top ten British players in the world down they were to be ashamed of themselves missing Billy Wright oh, oh did, so did you I'm sorry Ted did you actually play with Billy well Billy Billy Wright when we won the Youth Cup uh, the Wolves had won the league yes that's right yeah uh, they won they won all six six teams that played that won all their divisions uh, the Youth Cup one was the jewel in the crown at the end but the Wolves had already won the, the league uh, they won the FA Cup yep. the year after I think yep but Bill, I, I, Bill was still playing when I was uh, 17 and I had uh, one or two matches against him in practice like. Yes. But this fellow was something else, this Billy Wright was, he was the best player I've ever seen and I've, I've had 60 years at it. Oh, br brilliant. Now, the number 21, Ted, is, is very significant with you, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. I mean, then again, you see, after I told you about the Arsenal match where the programme writer wrote this beforehand, the 21st thing was ridiculous. I mean, I was 21 on the 21st of January, 1961, and I scored my 21st goal on my 21st appearance all on the same day. Brilliant. Absolutely. That, that must be millions to one. Oh. I don't think it's ever been done before. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean that season, your debut season, like you said, it's still the record, 28-27. I mean, these, these, I mean, the season after, I think it was 5-11, 9-13, 2-6, was struggling with injuries. But I believe some of the injuries, actually, uh, you, you did break your leg, I believe it was versus Fulham? Uh, no, it wasn't against Fulham. Um, what happened was, I was, see, Billy Wright was actually... Uh, Managing the under twenty three side, the England twenty three side. Yes. When I was scoring goals, uh, and at the end of that season, when I got the twenty eight and twenty seven matches, I had a confrontation with Bert Trautman that kept me out for about the last ten 
last eight or nine matches. Yep. Uh, I was actually rushed to hospital with internal bleeding and I didn't play for the rest of that season. So I probably, I, I would have broken the Dennis Westcott's record in the first oh. season if I could have. A hundred percent. Or had the last ten matches as well. I don't even got to score a goal a match, which I was doing anyway. <laughs> Flipping heck, two goals, Ted. You just smashed it. That's right, yeah. I mean... Anyway, uh, the season after, yep. uh, Collis, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't agree with each other very often, me and Stan Collis. <laughs> it, was, it was starting to go a bit downhill then. But I remember playing against Fulham, actually. Uh, I scored two, I think, at Craven Cottage. And Billy Wright was watching as the uh, selector for the under 23s. Uh, and he caught, I scored two, and he, he caught all of me in full time. He said, you, you cost me a pound. He said, I bet you'd score a hat trick. <laughs> so, but I was picked for the under 23s. But Collis dropped me. Oh. Uh, I'll never forget, he, uh, I came back. I, I played in an FA as a trial match. An FA 11, the Football Association 11, against the Combined Services. Yep. That were the Army, Navy and whatever else. And Ron Atkinson played for the Combined Services that day. But we beat them about 8 and 9 1, and I got four. And Bobby Tumbley, the Chelsea fellow, he got four. Yes, all right. So then I was picked for the under 23 through that match. But Collins had dropped me in the reserves. Uh, I scored in the match. Against Israel. Uh, that was a 7 1 win, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I scored that match. And then I was picked again for the match in Holland. Yes. Uh, where Bobby Ball made his debut as captain. Right. Uh, I scored a hat trick that day. We beat them 5 3. Yeah. Uh, and I was with Walter Winterbottom told me I'd be in the next England squad. No danger. Uh, and Billy Wright, Bill was always. Flipping so he could have been you, Ted, scoring a hat trick oh, in the yeah, World Cup final. Well, uh, everywhere I've played from amateurs to professional to internationals, I scored hundreds of goals. Uh, and I was, I was, Walter Winterbottom had told me that I'd be in the next England squad. And of course, uh, I was out for most of that season. Flipping Ted, I'll tell you something, we could do you down the mall in you today. I mean, what what was your relationship like with, with you've alluded to it just, what was your relationship like with Stan Cullis? Yes. But unfortunately, his mind started to go a bit peculiar. Uh, I don't know whether he had dementia or what he had, but things were going very bad. Right. At the walls, they were going downhill fast. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when he did get the sack, they were 
way adrift at the end of the season there. Uh, but Collis said he was sacked because when he was ill. He wasn't, he was, he, if he'd have been, in my opinion, if he'd have been sacked before the season started or had, had it begun early, yes. I don't think the walls would have gone down. Right. I bought in a, a Liverpool lad that was, I can't remember his name, Alan Evans? No, no, they brought in a manager. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I think the manager was there, but he, they tried very hard and almost, almost succeeded in stopping relegation, but they couldn't. Oh, and. And one of your injuries, I had a look. I believe you 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 mentioned it earlier. Um, when when you said you, you, your injuries were in, internalised, it was a damaged bladder, wasn't it, Ted? Yeah, it was a ruptured bladder. Uh, the thing is, today you see, they were, I was <laughs> I was told to get back on the pitch at half time. Passing blood galore. Oh, you're joking? Semi conscious, really. And I was back on the pitch. So uh, when I got home, the doctor came to see me and ordered an emergency ambulance straight away, and I was in hospital for the rest of the season. So at half time, you know, not to put too fine a point on the subject, in the dressing room, you, you you're actually passing blood. Oh yeah. And then they're saying, right, get out second half. That's right. Yep. Uh, I mean, listen, today, Ted, whether we think they're Molly Coddled or not, and they've got all the protection off the refs, or you know, oh, the yeah. pitch, the equipment. I mean, when I had this broken leg, <coughs> I kept on, I trained. They didn't find the broken leg, by the way, for some time. I don't know whether you've seen the papers where... Yeah, yeah. Six weeks with a broken leg. <laughs> I, uh, I managed to get the ankle right, and I was training, and I kept having pain down the right side. Yes. Um, the leg, and uh, the physio kept looking at it, and he said, there's something wrong there. And he sent me to see a specialist who said that... The fellow in Waterloo Road, Mr. Freeman, he said that uh, he didn't think there was anything wrong. Uh, and we played, this was the season that we broke the record for the most undefeated games. Yep. Wolves went 12 games without defeat. That's a club record now. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, anyway, we played Liverpool, who had just come up from the second division. Yep. Would you believe? With Bill Shankly's lot. And I kept having this pain down my leg. And they gave me a cortisol injection before the match. Saying that you know you get out there and play. Uh, after the match, I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I was not. If I want, if I want fit and fast and and goal scoring, I was a non-entity. Uh, and I, uh, after the match, I went to the manager and said, "Well, I'm not going to play anymore until I've had this checked." As would you believe it, I had to have it checked privately with my mother. Oh. I went to Fallaise in Edgbaston. Yeah. An X-ray, and there they found this broken tibia, uh, broken fibula, that hadn't healed up, uh, and I'd been playing with. So you got little support from the club at that time, in as much as that, you know, you, you had to go privately. Well, that's right. Yeah. The thing is, you see, college was adamant. I remember coming back from one of my under twenty-three matches, and college called me to the office, and he said, "I don't want you playing any FA academic football here at the Wolves." Right. So we were at loggerheads straight away, and as I say, he dropped me when I scored a hat trick for the 23. So we were at loggerheads completely there because I was I was looking for the top one. I mean, this was a run up to the World Cup final, you know. It's yes, foolish. and uh, I was I, I was going to be first choice. I mean, 
it's the biggest disappointment of my life that I never played for the England full squad and not made the World Cup. Well, Ted, it, it, you know, it, looking at it and reading your book and looking at your career, it's an absolute travesty. There was another goal haul against Man City, opening day of the, the 62 63 season. Well, yeah, yeah. You scored four, flipping heck. I had my injury with this passing blood. It was the Man City match. Right. Uh, we won one nil, but the cameras caught me clapping over a prostrate uh, Trauman, and they're saying how how unsport you know was. Right. I was semi-conscious then. I mean, I, I, I don't know where I was coming to going. Uh, and Collis then decided that he would drop me because of the adverse press. Right. The following season, but the following season after that. Uh, we played Man City. Yep. And as we go out onto the pitch, Bertrand would put his arm around me and said, let's forget about it. So I said, okay, Bert. And that's called four. <laughs> so you didn't forget about it? I didn't forget. <laughs> I mean, but it, I believe it was only six more games after that. And it, it was only six more professional games, I believe, after that, after that yeah, game. Yeah. And was your last game, Ted, West Brom away, 29th of February 1964? It would be, but if, you see, before that, if I can tell you that this uh, this um, injury that I had to my knee, it was in a practice match. Yep. And it was done deliberately. Right. I'd fallen down with Collis, and Collis couldn't care less whether I trained in the dressing room or what I did, but in, in, in practice matches, I was putting rings around them. <laughs> and... Uh, Centre half, I don't want to name because okay. he upset me. Uh, uh, he just cracked, cracked through me. I mean, he shouldn't have been tackled like that in a practice match. And he did do my leg, he did my knee. And he was a fellow Wolves player, Ted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were told to get him stuck, stuck into me. I remember Graham Hawkins telling me that uh, in practice matches he was told not to let me turn. Right. I mean, this was this is where, this is where Collis was going downhill very fast. Uh, and this is why he got the push, really. Yeah. From all these occurrences, especially with me. Um, and I was, as I said, I was playing in that, that, that match. And it was the end of the season type of practice. Uh, they left me on the pitch, actually, for ages until the physio came to drag me off. And he said, oh, this is serious. So not no treatment, had nothing x-rayed and just was left to my own devices in the summer. So I tried to build the knee up a little bit if I could and see see if I could rest it a bit to, to, to get ready for next season. And next season come about and uh, the headlines were Northampton Town come for Ted Farmer. Now this is Northampton that went up into the first division and the rule went down. Right. Now, my knee was very bad. I was just getting married as well. Uh, I wasn't satisfied that they should be trying to sell me as a cripple. Yeah. So uh, I went to see Northampton, Dave Bowen, the manager of Northampton. And I said to him, I've got a dodgy knee, you know. And he said, well, I'll send you to our specialist in Northampton and do check it over. So I went to see the specialist in Northampton. And would you believe he passed me fit? Right. So it was probably not good, that would be all right. So North, uh, Dave said, well, we're probably going to sign you. Go have a look at a few houses down here because you're going to get married and settle down here. So I went back to the walls. Do a little bit of training, and lo and behold, up comes the knee again. Oh. So I telephoned Dave Bowen, and he said, oh, come down straight away. 
So I went down again to Northampton. He sent me to the same specialist. Yeah. Who said the same thing? It's only a bit of swelling. Right. It was terrible pain. And uh, I went to see Dave Bowie, and Dave Bowie says, "Listen, Ted, he says, I oh, thank you for being a very honest man." He says, "But the fee was thirty thousand, I think." He says, "The fee is too much uh, with your knee as well." He says, "The, the directors have got to issue statements saying you refuse terms." Oh. But I didn't. I was crippled. And this back to the Albion. This is why it follows on from what you've just said. Yes. I did a bit of training, and he tried to sell me. As a cripple, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Anybody that uh, the physios knew, the, the specialists knew it was. I knew, he knew, but he was still trying to get rid of me for finance. And he put me back in the team against the Albion last match. Uh, and I remember Stan Jones, the Albion centre half, saying, "Ooh, uh, he said, you you do a bit good today, today. We we probably sign you." <laughs> anyway, after ten minutes, I was crippled. Oh. So, off, off I went under the wing and uh, never touched the ball hardly. I mean, that actually, that was that before that was before the days of substitutes, wasn't it, Ted? Before the days of what? Of substitutes. Oh, no substitutes now, Dave, no. So you, you're playing, I mean, this is what I find really quite sad about that story. You know, you, 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 you were a goal-scoring protégé at the Wolves. The, you was a player that the club should have actually been protecting. And, 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 and in training, it was obviously quite the opposite. I mean, it must be quite hurtful to share a... And I know you're too professional to, to name the player, which is very admirable of you, Ted. But it must be really difficult for you. You're sharing a dressing room with somebody and they're your teammate and they went to deliberately injure you and subsequently end your career. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it still hurts me now, I'm afraid. <laughs> and that's such a shame, Ted. And that, that, that really is... Did you ever... If you don't mind me asking, did you ever speak to the person after? Did they ever apologise? Did did anything get ever rectified? It's it's amazing that no, I didn't. Uh, but it, the same fella got sent off a few times and was booked a few times. Uh, I remember seeing him. It was a couple of years ago at one of the uh, former players' dues. Yes. Um, do you, you know the fans of the fella who died not so long ago? He used to look. He used to do a lot of work for the walls a lot of history oh right uh, would it be Graham Hughes or uh, oh. Fozzie John Endley it was John Endley that's yeah John Endley yeah Fozzie uh, he, used to, he used to get, get the players the former players association yes. he used to have a couple of players come down to matches and talk to the sponsors yes yes over the past well, would you believe that this one day I was called by uh, John Endley actually and they said, well, we're inviting you down. He said, there's two other players coming down. Shot to tell you the one. Yes. The other was Fred Davis, the goalkeeper. Yes. Uh, and I saw this fella. I mean, this is, you're talking, I don't know, 40, 50 years after the event, really. Yes. But I saw this fella, and I thought to myself, I've got to go and speak to him. So I went across to him, and I shook his hand, and I said, I'll never forget that you ruined my career. Goodbye. And that was that. And he didn't say anything in return? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I don't blame him, actually. I blame the the culture of the club that Cullis left. Well, do you know what, Ted? That surprises me because I, I've I've never heard that story as you've well, told it's it. It's in the book. Yeah, I mean, th uh, to be honest, I've, I've only had the book the last couple of days and I've been... I've been Skimming through it, I mean that 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 really is quite a sad story, and and you well, know it, it, it is in the book there, and 
of explicit statements in there that frighten you to death. Oh. I the book. You see the book? Yeah. I wrote the book. I wrote the book in 1966, 67. Okay, right. Yeah. In fact, I've got the copy in front of me now. I yeah. most of it. I didn't publish it until 1990. Yes. Uh, 30 years in between. The reason I didn't do it was because when they sacked Collis, they would never have bought my book because it criticised him. Yes, yes, yes. They never knew. You see, they were throwing season tickets into the road because they were objecting to Collis being sacked. But they didn't know what was going on. Yes, yeah, so yeah. So I couldn't p- publish the book because I'd have been... It wouldn't have got, wouldn't have got around, so around one. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And so I went to it until they realised how much the club had deteriorated. Yeah. Uh, and I, I produced this book to tell them why. But and I think this is the beauty of the podcasts, Ted, because people get the chance to put their story across for people to listen. And listen, looking from the outside in, I'm a Wolf supporter. You know, I've only been a Wolf supporter the last thirty years, so you know, not the the the, the rich history times which you guys played in. But I look at it with rose tinted spectacles, and you don't realise that there is infighting, there is argument, there is rows, there is these things happening. You know, you don't really, as a fan, sometimes you don't get to know these stories. Yeah. Uh, who, who won the league that year? Uh, and the comment from the manager, I won't say. Yes. His name again. At half time, was that Jim Murray went to the trainer and said, How would you like this photo in the trenches with you, Joe? I mean, you, you don't say these things, do you? Absolutely not, no. And they, these, these were things that were going on all the time. I mean, me, you see, every time I had an injury, he'd say, Oh, you've got a pain in the leg, you think you've got arthritis. This is a pain in the head, you think you've got a tumour on the brain. <laughs> pain in the side, you think you've got appendicitis. Yeah. You think you're nothing but a hypochondriac. Oh. But twice I had to go private. Uh, once with a broken leg, and then the second time with this sciatic spinal problem, which was, well, that was a disaster. And and when you, you retired, I believe, at 24, Ted, what's it like yeah. to be a young man, effectively, in the peak of your game, the peak of your career, scoring goals for fun? You, listen, let's make no doubt about this, listeners, as well. This man would have gone on to score hundreds of goals for the club, no doubt would have played in, in the World Cup, the World Cup final. What's it like to, at 24, that's gone? Well, not just 24, I just got married and had my first child. Right. Uh, it was... Absolutely horrendous. I mean, to this day, the pain has never gone. I still feel really sad now. Bless you. Um, it was, you see, my career was like a fairy tale. I mean, looking back at it, you wouldn't believe it, would you? No, no. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, I do, I do still love the Wolves as a club, uh, and I still try. I mean, I thought what the public won't realise is I fought hard for them when they were going. With the yes, I did. I did see that bit in the in the back of the book. To be honest, there was there was yeah. there was some on that. The, the thing is that a lot of people wouldn't realise that with the club. I remember being in uh, the chairman of the council. Uh, John Bird was it? No, no, before him. Right. Uh, I don't know who it was, but anyway, the, the, this fellow. I, I was doing the Save the Wolves campaign. Yes, I got seven thousand signatures to. Uh, get the club conserved, get the ground as a conservation area like Fulham did for their ground. Yes. There was nobody could sell it. So it can be protected, yep. do it to any other than the football or sport. I mean, see, the Molyneux brothers left this estate 
to the council saying that this is for rules for sport yes. and for football in particular. Now, when these scrupulous people came in to try and sell it up as a car park, as it were, with the Batties and the Dugan episodes, yes. um, this was the only way I could try and save it. And I did get the permission from the uh, Heritage Secretary in London and the council in Wolverhampton to go ahead and get it conserved for sport. But luckily for me, uh, Jack Hayward stepped in and that didn't need to be done. Oh, and, and, and we all know the story. Well, Wait. I fought for him a long, long while. Bless you, Ted. Ble- I mean... Just, uh, as a supporter, of course, I was there at the cup finals there and watching everything. You know, I'm, I'm still very interested now, but of course it's a different different thing to oh. I mean. Not off. I mean, if you think about the, the street, are different, isn't they? You know, it's a different atmosphere in the world. Oh, absolutely, and, and like Hollywood stars, these people. Social. Oh, I, I say today's football is like come dancing. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, forwards, backwards, sideways together. I mean, Ted. Forwards, if... backwards. I mean, uh, you would never pass the ball across your own penalty area in my day, as you get you get dropped. <laughs> Flipping heck, I mean, it, I've got my heart in my mouth sometimes watching Wolves. And when you say about some of the injuries, playing playing on with a broken leg, not coming off at half-time, and don't forget, these were the days when you, you, you on some pitches you, you're up to your ankles in mud, the, the balls were heavy, laced up. Well, yeah, you, you, you want to be careful not going too far back because the balls, the balls were heavy, but there was, there, were, there were no laces in the balls. Oh, right, OK. It was a little bit heavier than it is today. And we, we had top... I mean, you go back to... Before my time, yes, uh, and you hear things, stories like uh, Dixie Dean used to, Stanley Matthews used to put crosses across with the lace facing the other way so that he could hit the ball properly. I mean, these are fairy tales, and it, it, if you're not careful, it's like fairy tales carry on. But in my day, we were on the run up to the World Cup. Yes, you know, so it, it, it was nothing to do with all this rigmarole and long shorts and. Heavy balls and gun Okay, right. So it it started to change and develop almost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Ted, since obviously retiring, what jobs have you done away from football? Well, I was in a real state at then. I mean, I've, I've never recovered from this from this thing. Actually, you've got to be happy in your job. What I did was I uh, I opened a sports shop. Yeah. Because uh, I saw Bert and Jimmy Mullen. Yes. But it was during the time of a big squeeze on credit, and I had to go in there because I had little from anybody. I never had a testimonial then or or whatever, uh, so I got very little cash. And uh, it, it, to be honest, I, I was not in a fit state to do anything. Of course, and it, finally, it finally failed the sports shop, so I went back to college because uh, I was I got loads of GC and got knows what. So I went back to college and went on a, a course of computer science. Okay. Uh, I passed me for City and Guilds in computer programming. And I was hired by uh, a firm in Tipton as a, a trainee programmer. Yeah. Uh, they sent me to London on a course. And I came back as a programmer and I went to, well, I went to Spanish Council as a programmer. Yeah. And I, I ended up at a place called Hoskins, who were a big firm in computers, and I was there for about 10 years. And? In computing. So, although I, I never never once liked what I was doing, if you know what I mean, because yeah. I was always thinking, of, I mean, when you think, oh, watch this World Cup final, 
in a upstairs storeroom of a sports shop <sighs> on an old television and I cried my eyes up because I knew I should be there. Oh. So, you know, unfortunately, I, uh, it's rested with me. It's probably ruined a lot of my life after. I mean, my wife swears that it's ruined most of my life. Oh, it, it, do, do you know what though, Ted? It, 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 it's understandable. It really is when when you, you're living your dream, you're doing your level best, you're an honest person, and and something like that happens. And you know, I defy anybody who who that wouldn't wouldn't affect. Well, yeah, yeah, I was I was I was fighting against people who were in far superior positions than me. Yes. I've always been a fighter as a player. If I didn't score, I'd, be, I'd give hundred percent. For Pinnock Terry, oh, Ted, sorry, Ted. There wasn't many games you didn't score in. <laughs> uh, there was a few. I mean, there's only one match I've ever looked back at and thought, "Well, I didn't do very well in that." And that was the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final at Rangers. Right. And I played against a fellow named Forrest, centre half. Yeah. We, we, we were missing Peter Broadbent, who was our playmaker, really. Uh, we lost 2-0. And I was... Uh, I, I made little impression. I, I could feel it to this day. I don't know why. So I ran up Brandon two weeks off. <laughs> uh, but I, I, that was the only match where I think I didn't really do anything. <laughs> oh, but I mean... Like I said, the goal scoring record is phenomenal. Do you, do you, in your heart of hearts, do you literally, quite literally, think you would have scored a hundred, hundreds of goals for the club, Ted? Well, I did score hundreds of goals in the wall shoot. Yeah, in in in. Uh, at Tom Gray, I mean, if, if you look at my progression, yes, it was obvious. Yeah, I mean, some hundreds of goals in the junior side to record breaking in the first team to hat tricks for the under twenty threes. The progression was there. There was nothing. There was, there was no game that I wouldn't score in, or no class of football. And we, we, we're talking sixty years on now from from when you played. Can you almost still remember certain goals and remember the defenders breathing down your neck and the goalkeepers coming out? And can you remember those times? Well, I remember. I remember most of them actually. Um, goalkeepers, you see, are you? I used to, uh, one of my four goals against Birmingham City was knowing which foot the goalkeeper wanted to kick the ball with. Right. I always used to watch in the kickabout before the match started, uh, my centre-half, whether he was right-footed or left-footed, and the goalkeeper, whether he was the same. I think it was Gordon West, the goalkeeper of Birmingham City at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, I'm not sure. But uh, I noticed that he'd got, he was right-footed. So... When, they, when the back pass came to him to pick the ball up, I used to stand on his right foot and make him kick it with his left. <laughs> what happened was that, of course, I, this came about when he miskicked with his left, and I just tapped it in the net. Oh. So, it was, you know, you, you look at what you, what's about you, really. Yeah. Oh, in- incredible. And, Ted, that, that, that fantastic career, if you can look back now, and, listen, we know it was tinged with sadness but if you could look back on it now and pick one part from that career that always puts a smile on your face what is it Ted? There's one goal put a smile on his face or, or any, any any moment from your career I can't hear very well oh sorry any moment from your career that, that, that you can look back on now and it puts a smile on your face what moment is it? What goal? 
No, yet what goal or what moment or, you know, something that happened? Well, the, 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 one of the best moments was the, the first goal at United, mid debut. And, and how early in the match was that, Ted? Uh, well, we were losing 1 0 to Bobby Charlton Rocket, really. <laughs> uh, it was, I, don't, I don't know, about half an hour in or something like that. But for, for the first 20 minutes, I felt like a pauper because I couldn't. The excitement was so great. I mean, there was. There must have been 15,000 wolf supporters there that day. Brilliant. I mean, the, 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 the motorway hasn't been built and there was coach loads from Manchester to Wolverhampton. Uh, so there was a lot of people there supporting the wolves. And for about 10 or 15 minutes, I was not outclassed, but I was too nervous and too too much adrenaline going through me at the time. So I needed a bit of luck to get started. Yeah. And what happened was that Norman Dealey took a corner on the left wing, actually, and he hit, a, he hit a, a corner hard across, and I managed to go in front of the... I got across the defenders and headed a flick header, and it flew into the net, and that... That moment, I should never forget because uh, it opened up all the floodgates for me, and I was rampant after that. Oh, <laughs> wasn't you just Ted? Wasn't you just? Wh- Morgan wrote in the start, it's the, it's the finest. Um, what did you call it? Flick header he'd ever seen. <laughs> oh, Ted, you know what? Brilliant. Well, Ted, I want to thank you for your time today. You've been very, very honest. You've been very humble as well, and you know, thank you for your time on the Wolf Whistle Podcast. I really, really enjoyed this story, Ted, in as much as, yes, it was tinged with sadness, as I said, but it was really nice to hear it from you. Thank you for coming on the the podcast, and you're welcome on here anytime. No trouble, up the walls. Up the walls. Uh